You can open to Proverbs chapter 15, and as promised on Sunday evenings, we are perusing the Proverbs, and tonight we do have uh, our first class, our first session of Bible school for the year. It is just our orientation class, nevertheless, those of you that have enrolled, it is uh, mandatory that you do come to that, it, but if you haven't enrolled, you're welcome to sit in on it and just get familiar with the school and what to expect for the year. Proverbs chapter 15, and we're going to take a look for a few moments at verse number 28. Proverbs chapter 15 and verse 28. The Bible says here, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. You can see why... Perhaps my attention went to this verse throughout the week with the beginning of Bible school and a year's worth of studying. I thought it would be good to take a few minutes and look at this topic as it pertains to this proverb. So let's bow our heads and let's pray and ask for God's help. And then I'll show you much more from the Bible about it. Father, thank you this evening that we can gather, we can sing, we can lift our voices to you. Thank you for that edification. And Lord, Lord, as we now open the Bible uh, Father, we, we desire to have our souls cleansed, to have our eyes open, to be taught. Lord, help us to take the position of a student now. And Father, might the, the seed of the Word of God fall deep into our hearts. We ask that your hand to be upon us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, verse number 28, the heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Let me give this one thought and then... I'll probably repeat it a few times. Hopefully this gets stuck in your head. A righteous man is always learning. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what kind of job you have. It doesn't matter your background. You might have five PhDs. But the heart of the righteous, notice the present tense, studieth. That's in modern English we would say studies. He studies to answer. Life is filled with questions. Life is filled with challenges. You cannot control what the world throws at you, but what you do have control over is your reaction to those things, your response to those things. So as the world throws questions at you, the Bible tells us the heart of the righteous studies to answer. So I'm trying to get smarter about how I can respond to the challenges, to the questions of life. The end of the verse, we will look at later, it says, but the mouth of the wicked poureth out evil things. To quickly summarize that, it is the opposite of the first half. The evil man, the wicked, he doesn't take time to think about what he's going to say. He just, bleh. He just pours out evil things. Now, you don't have to study to get that. All you have to do is tell us what's on your mind. (laughs) And bleh outcomes the evil things. We'll talk more about that now. Let's, let me give you two parts to what we need to study in order to give a good answer. The heart of the righteous studies to answer. So one thing you need to study is not only what should I say in my response, but when should I say this response? And, and if I could dig deeper into that question, Do I even need to say anything? The heart of the righteous takes a moment to think before he speaks. He is slow to anger, slow to speak, quick to listen. He stops and thinks, hmm, do I need to get involved 
in this conversation? Is it going to be worth my time? Just imagine for a moment how many fights, how many arguments could be avoided if you hadn't have said that one thing that was on the tip of your tongue. How many times have we regretted and said, why did I say anything at all? It led to five hours of useless conversation. Better to have stayed quiet. So turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And while you turn, can I just say praise God for the fans in here. Could you imagine what it would feel like without them? Whew. It would feel like it did two weeks ago. <laughs> but praise God for the fans going. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11. God's been good to us. He's been so good to us. I mean, the fans are a blessing, but man, it's just good to be saved, isn't it? Good to be saved, good to have a Bible open, good to have a church to go to and a church family to support you. What a blessing. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 11, Paul says, and that ye study to be what? To be? Well, you guys seem like you got this figured out. A lot of you aren't even answering. This is one of those times you don't need to study much to answer this. Open book test, the answer is right there in front of you. It says that you study to be quiet. All right, teenagers, help me out. All the teenagers look up here. Study to be a little louder. <laughs> it's an oxymoron. I'm getting them stuck in a paradox. They're like, I'm not supposed to be loud. <laughs> study to be quiet. Study to be quiet. You know why? It doesn't come naturally to most of us. And I say that there are exceptions, but for the most of us, the challenge is knowing when to shut up and how to hold our tongue. The tongue is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Let it run its course and blah, it'll pour out evil things. But to learn to hold on to that, and when you do use it, to use it smartly, that takes some study. That takes some keen observation. I think it would be good to listen to other people's conversations and learn from whatever mistakes might arise there. Say, you know, I heard this person say that, this person say that. They could have said it better or they shouldn't have said that at all. And let that sink into your thinking. Maybe you don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. Come to uh, Psalm 131. Pasalem. If you don't find Psalm, just get Pasalem, chapter 131, and verse number 2. It's one of the ironies of life that we as parents work so hard to teach our children how to speak and how to walk. And we rejoice when they finally say that first word and take that first step. And for the next, what, 17 years? We're running around behind them saying, sit down, shut up. <laughs> you taught them that. It's just one of the ironies of life. Psalm 131 verse 2, David says, Surely I have behaved and quieted myself. That doesn't come naturally. You have to be trained to do that. I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that is weaned of his mother, my soul is even as a weaned child. So he didn't just go on internally crying, boo-hoo, complaining within. He learned how to calm down, to calm himself and say, no need to start pouring out evil things. Let me have the heart of the righteous and study to answer. And sometimes the answer is to say nothing. 
Sometimes that is the best answer. Look at Psalm, or uh, forgive me, Proverbs chapter 26. I'll show you an example of this where the Bible commands you not to answer. And if you read the Bible, I'm sure you've come across this in many places. One time the king of the Assyrians sent men to talk to the men of Judah. And King Hezekiah was on the throne at that time. And you might remember they were intimidating the Jews. And, and the Jews even said, speak to us in the Syrian language. We understand it. Don't, you know, you're, you're, you're going to really discourage all the common folk here. They said, what do you think we came to do? We came to scare the common folk. So no, we're not going to use some secret code language. We're going to talk straight to you. So they laid it out. It was ugly. And King Hezekiah said, don't answer him. You have, don't, don't even bother responding to that. It's not worth your time. So as you go through the Bible, the heart of the righteous is looking for wisdom to say, when should I hold my tongue? When Jesus stood before Herod, Herod had all these questions. Jesus answered him nothing. And Herod got a little upset, frustrated, began to mock him. Herod's soldiers began to mock him. Still, Jesus, as a lamb, dumb before his shears, he opened not his mouth. Sometimes the best answer is no answer. Proverbs 26, verse 4. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest thou also be like unto him. So if the fool is talking a bunch of nonsense... Do not stoop to his level. Do not fight that foolish fire with foolish fire. Best thing to do is just stay quiet, move on. Go find somebody that you can have an intelligent conversation with. If there is no intelligent response to what the fool is saying, don't give one. Don't give one. And perhaps... Consider the nature of the conversation. Sometimes the topic that has been raised is so absurd, so ridiculous, it's not worth talking about. Even if you were to, let's say, win whatever that debate is, what have you won? The nature of the conversation may not be worth your time. I chatted with a guy in town about three, four weeks ago, and we were talking about the gospel. He tried to redirect the conversation to talking about the flat earth. Now, I'm aware that it is a conversation that does happen, that people sometimes debate whether or not the earth is flat. I don't mind that conversation, actually. If somebody's genuinely interested in hearing the facts about that, and I'm happy to show you from the Bible what, what Scripture says about a flat earth and a round earth and a, a spherical earth and all of that. But when we're talking about the gospel, to to get off of the highway of the gospel to an off-ramp like the flat earth, I'm much better off leaving that side road and getting back on the main road. Does that make sense? So I could answer him, but to what, to what end? What am I winning? Let's say I convince him the earth is round and he still dies and goes to hell. <laughs> he, he, he's in hell. He lifts up his eyes, being in torment, and says, praise God, at least the earth is round. <laughs> That's not going to help him, see? So sometimes you have to have some discretion and some prudence and be able to study and think and go, is this really a conversation worth having? Now, verse 5, 
This isn't a contradiction in the Bible. It says the opposite though, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own conceits. If there is a way that you can say something in the conversation, to end the conversation, to definitively show this person and anybody else listening that what the fool said was wrong, then if you can do that, end the conversation, move on, by all means. See, that, that way he doesn't walk away thinking he had a good point. So if you can do that, okay, there's a time for you to lift up your voice. But turn to Proverbs chapter 10. When you do find yourself in a situation and you feel led and you're convinced that it would be profitable to say something, might I caution you to consider your words wisely. Perhaps you don't need to say Uh, let's say it this way, you don't have to ramble on for hours and hours. Perhaps take a moment, collect your thoughts, and try to speak clearly and concisely on that point. Now, I tread lightly here because as a preacher, this is what I do. Week in and week out, I get up and go on and on and on. And I know when you're sitting there in the hot seats and, oh, my soul, okay, it's been long enough. We got it, we got it, preacher, you can move on. Years ago, I think it was the first time I ever preached in South Africa, I was asked to preach in, in Rudaport, and I was, was going to be the guest speaker that evening. There were, I think, two other guys speaking at the meeting, but it was my turn that evening. And it was the first time, if my memory is correct, it was the first time I ever met who would eventually become my son-in-law. If I'm not mistaken, it's the first time, Brother Garrett, I ever met you, and yeah, I think it was the first time we met as well. So we were staying at, let me get the, it's your grandpa, whose dad, Brother Ken, man, okay, Opa Ken. We were staying there at Opa Ken's house, and we were just getting to know him. And, and so me and Brother Dobbins, you all know Brother Dobbins in, in Zambia, we were at the meeting, and Brother Dobbins was going to preach the next night. But Brother Ken Mann said, so who's preaching tonight? And I said, that, that'd be me, sir. And he looked at me, paused for a second, and, and with a, a completely stoic face said, young man, brevity is an art. That sunk deep. Brevity, you understand what that is? To be brief. Brevity is an art. It, you talk about delivering it in the perfect way. One sentence, full stop, done, I got the point. And to this day, as you've just heard, I'm still talking about it. Powerful words right? Don't need an hour-long preamble to make it powerful. Let them be powerful by themselves. So if you have to answer, study to answer in a way that is concise, gets the point across, and then move on. Proverbs 10 verse 19, in the multitude of words there wanteth not sin. Now that's an old English way of saying you don't lack any sin. In the multitude of words, there lacketh or wanteth no sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. The heart of the righteous is looking for a way to limit his words so as to limit the mistakes he makes. What's the old saying? God help me to get it right. Better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. <laughs> Limit the words. Look at Proverbs 17. 
Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17, verse 27. He that hath knowledge. How did he get knowledge? He was studying. The heart of the righteous studies to answer. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise. Why? Because he had nothing profitable to say, so he didn't say anything. And it goes back to that little saying I just gave you. Better to be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. This guy didn't open his mouth, so you don't know that he's foolish. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. People hang back and say, now, now that was an intelligent response. So what did he do? He zipped his lip. He said nothing. And brother, sister, you have to study. You have to study not just the Bible. You have to study your nature. You have to study human nature. You have to have some spiritual discernment. You need to be paying attention during life to get that right. And let me just say, despite your best efforts, you're still going to get it wrong from time to time. Maybe one of the most challenging things you'll ever take on is trying to say, is trying to find out what to say and when to say it. What and when, and to get those two things right at the same time. Sometimes that's a minor miracle. Sometimes that is one of the most difficult things you'll do. Uh, turning your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. Now let's talk for a moment, a couple moments, about the what. I've, I've tried to give you some ideas about the when, and perhaps the when is never. But sometimes you do need to lift up your voice. God told Isaiah, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, show my people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. So, sometimes you do need to cry aloud. John the Baptist said, uh, I am a voice of one that cries in the wilderness. When God has put something in your mouth or you recognize that something needs to be said, by all means, by all means, time to say something. But rather than pour out evil things, we're going to talk in a moment about what those evil things could, could entail. Better to find out what is the right and biblical and godly and most edifying response. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. The Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready, how often? Always. There's the when. Be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. So in the context, Christians are being persecuted, and the enemy would ask a question, why are you subjecting yourself to this horrible treatment? If you would just say, I'm not a Christian, we would stop persecuting you. We would untie you from the stake at which you're about to be burned. And it's in these moments, Peter says, you need to be ready to give an answer. Why am I not willing to give up on Christ? Why will I not join in with the world and talk like they talk and do what they do? Because they are going to ask questions, why are you acting so strangely? Now look at chapter 4. 
verse 4, wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of riot speaking evil of you. So they're going to begin to make fun of you because you do not talk and act like they do. And there's going to be plenty of times in those scenarios that you do need to speak up and give an answer. Why are you like this? Right, so what's the best way to, to have an answer for that? Number one, you're reading the Bible. Be sure you can give them a biblical answer. That, that's the time to say the Bible says. I, I, I get it that you have your testimony, you can share your experience, and, and your testimony does have some power because it changed your life, right? It's your life that's been changed. But far more powerful than your story is God's story. Tell them what changed you. So think of it like this. If you were to stand before God right now, tonight, and God asked you, why should I let you live with me forever? What would you say? That would be the right time to have a biblical answer. <laughs> yeah? Wouldn't you like to have a biblical answer? That question I ask to people on the streets all the time. And I would say one out of every 100 even comes close to giving me a biblical answer. Yesterday, the closest I got was a young lady. I said, Madam, if you stood before God and He asked you, what would you say? Well, I, I, I would say that I'm, I'm, I'm sure that I have eternal life. Okay, but what makes you sure? Uh, the Word. It's a big book. <laughs> can, can you narrow that down just a little bit? She said, you mean like quote a verse? If you can, yes. And I was nice about it. I wasn't trying to make it awkward for her. I said, but even if you can just tell me the overall idea of the verse, but yeah, just what would you say to God that you think would be an acceptable answer? Now, she did eventually explain that Jesus died for her sins, that she received Jesus as her Savior. It was the right answer. She had a good answer. But she didn't seem very prepared to give the answer. The heart of the righteous studies to answer. You should be ready at the drop of a hat to tell somebody why you believe what you believe about Jesus Christ. Why are you the way you are? Why are you so passionate about serving the Lord, about knowing Him? Why? So here's, I believe, a key to not only the what but, and also the when. Verse 15 at the beginning before you ever get to the answer, verse 15 says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So get a lot of God in your heart. Filled to overflowing. And you know what will happen? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So if I want to have something coming out of my mouth, let's have something coming out that praises the Lord, that magnifies Him, that tells others about Him. I want to sanctify Him. That is to say, I want to remove all the other stuff and give Him the whole heart. Sanctify Him in there. I don't want Him to have to share the throne of my heart with ten other things. Now that, if you get the heart right, the mouth will come right. Take your Bible, come to Mark chapter 7. i got two more verses and then we'll be done. 
Mark chapter 7. Let's talk for a, a brief moment about the, the wicked that pour out evil things. Now the reason they do is because they do not take time to study, to answer. Life happens to them and they happen right back. There's, there's no calculated response at all. And here's what's inevitably going to happen. Mark 7 and verse 23 we read this the other day, but nevertheless, just to let your eyes scan down from verse 20, 21, 22, lots of different sins are mentioned. Verse 23, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Do you guys remember, I think it was on a Sunday night, we looked at Jeremiah 17 verse 9, that the heart is desperately wicked, right? Who can know it? So when the heart is not trained to calm down, to behave, when the heart is not trained and, and we don't have the Lord God sanctified in there, what's going to happen? Nature's going to take over. Evil things are just going to pour out. Because it's natural to us. You have to retrain your heart and put some good things in there. So David said it like this, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. It would be an excellent exercise. And, and I know all of us, maybe we're at different levels as to how much we can remember like verses. And I know sometimes you might struggle to get it word by word. But brother, sister, you go over it enough and it'll get stuck in your heart. Even if you don't get it word for word, you'll get the gist of it. And when you're facing a decision, the Holy Spirit will grab that verse, retrieve it, and bring it to the forefront of your mind. I'm not asking you to become a professional quoter of the verse, but you'll get the idea. But you have to study for that. That doesn't come natural to us. Take your Bible one last place. Come to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 15. 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15. A righteous man is always learning. Years ago when I was in Bible school, my, uh, my instructor was a man named Dr. Peter Ruckman. And Dr. Ruckman was an interesting man. There was lots of stuff about him that people struggle with, and I get it. He, he, was, he was an oddball. He loved the Lord, and he knew his Bible, and he was an incredibly intelligent man. All of, all of his other personality quirks aside, I don't think even his enemies would deny this, that he was an incredibly intelligent man. At 80 years old, he stood in the pulpit one night at Bible school, and he said, now this guy, by the time he reached the age of 70, had already read his Bible 250 times, and he stopped counting. He thought, any, any, if I count any higher, it's just pride. I thought, good grief. <laughs> That's a lot. 250 times, and that's just the times he read through it, not the times he wrote commentaries about it and studied it and preached out of it. Dr. Ruckman had been reading one book a day, a book, like 300 pages, a book, one book a day from the time he was 10 years old. A book a day. That's a lot of books. That's a lot of books for 70 years. He read so much his eyes eventually went on him. He went blind in his older age. And he couldn't read anymore, but that's a lot of reading. Quite an intelligent man. Dr. Ruckman stood and said, Gentlemen, I never want to become a teacher of the Word of God. 
I always want to be a student. He'd been teaching the Bible for going on 50, 40, 45 years by that point. He said, I never want to become a teacher of the Bible. I want to be a student. But that's a good attitude to have. God help us to have a student's attitude towards the Bible. I'm never going to be smart enough to teach this book anything. This book will always teach me something. So every time I'm hearing the Bible, I want to listen in order to learn. Not just passive listening, ears open, ears to hear, God please teach me. That brings us to verse 15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman, workman, that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now there's a lot of technical stuff we could talk about there. I'm focusing our attention at the beginning of the verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God. The heart of the righteous wants to get it right. And right by whose standards? By God's standards. God, I want to give an answer. I want to say something. I want to use my mouth in a way that pleases you. The only way to get that right is to study the Bible and anything else that would help you get that right. Some years ago, there was an old, old Oma sitting on the front porch and she had her Bible open and she was in a rocking chair just going back and forth and page after page, page after page. For hours, she'd sit on the porch and her grandkids came out one day and said, Grandma, you're always out here on this porch reading your Bible. What are you doing that for? She said, I'm studying for my finals. It's <laughs> a good answer. She may be in her 80s, but she still has the heart of a student. Because the heart of the righteous studies to answer. And friend, before you know it, you'll be standing before God giving an answer. The heart of the righteous studies to answer. A righteous man is always learning. All right, let's all stand. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for this reminder of how much we need to learn. Lord, this tongue, boy, it's a problem. Teach us, God. Teach us how to use it properly, to use it sparingly, to be a help and a blessing. Father, please, I pray you bless the time to come in our Bible school hour. I pray you bless the fellowship to follow. I pray you bless these folks for coming out tonight, hearing the Word of God, and might it help them to give the answer when they need to. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, folks, you're more than welcome. Take a few minutes of break. By 6 o'clock, we'll be in the, in the uh, Youth Activity Center. And if you're not going to join us in there, feel free. You can hang around in here as long as you like.